I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift for the Giro 2022 second rest day recap. Although this is actually the third rest day because they had the transition travel day from Hungary down to Sicily. But... We will go through, we'll recap the GC positions, think about who's looked the strongest for the first two weeks, preview the profiles and this big third week coming up, discuss the strategy of the various teams, Ciclamino, Maglia, Azzurra, kind of in the background, as well as a stage 16 in-depth preview with our picks. We're recording this before the press conferences on the rest day. So we don't have the news from Chiro, who follows all the press conferences in depth, but there might be some transfer news. I mean, Alperson announced last rest day that they were going world tour. So who knows? It's mostly the GC teams, though, that are doing those press conferences. But before we get into the action and Benji's thoughts on the previous two weeks, mention our show partner, Zwift. Zwift, if you're in a heat wave or apparently the cold conditions that are coming, there's thunderstorms predicted. It is the best online cycling platform to stay on top of your fitness goals swift are supporting lrcp for the entirety of the year and if you want to check it out yourself you can go to zwift.com for a free seven day trial through the link down below who's the winner of the first two weeks benji which team has is happiest today i'd argue that bora hansgrohe is definitely coming out as a winner a team that was seen as a relatively strong team at the start of this race, but we weren't necessarily seeing them as a team that could win this race, and they're still in the running for that. Jai Hindley is probably the rider that I'd say is the one that has been most impressive to me this first two weeks, going back to a form that seems similar to the 2020 form, the form where he's able to basically be with every single one of this, uh, these competitors that are the ones that are hunting for the Malia Rosa. And the only moment that you can be doubtful of is Blockhouse, where he's caught out in the second group when Carapaz, Landa, and Bardet attacked. And that's where I want to ask you, do you think that he would have been in that first group if Almeida was not in that group with him? Yeah, he helped Almeida a little bit. But as you said, it was Almeida doing most of that work, bringing it back, but drafting benefit on... On Blockhouse, how much does it really help? I don't know. It, it's true. Like, There's also the mental part to it next to the draft part, I think. Yeah, I mean, he could have been being really smart and he's like, these three up ahead are going to neutralize each other. I don't think that would be the case. I think if you're good enough to go, you'll, you'll go. But he is the one climber, Benji, where you're like, if he does his peak performance from his career, nobody can stay with him. It's impossible. If he does Piancavallo and Carapaz cannot reach a new level, he, he can drop anybody here. Like Piancavallo 2020 Giro Hindley is one of the top 10 climbing performances in the 21st century, just ridiculous numbers for 40 minutes uh, when he was pacing for Kelderman. And he kind of looks, I don't know, like if he's, Hindley's not a puncher, Benji. 
And if he's that good on that, uh, what was it, that Trentino stage, I'm, I think he's probably better on the stages to come. Like Bora, I agree, Bora should be happy. If I was Ineos, I'm not confident that Port and Sivakov can do anything to really stop if Bora set up a big train. Yeah, but there's that one weakness that is also a weakness for Almeida and the fact that rain can do a lot for Hindley and for Almeida. Hindley will never be able to put his rain jacket on like on Stelvio last year, <laughs> where he was like in trouble for like 10 minutes to put his damn jacket on and Almeida will have his jacket on for what it, what was it? What Did he have it on too long or what was the problem that he had in Paris-Nice? Almeida, I don't know. He never wears gloves. The one time he wore gloves on Cortina in the rain, he was good. Like weird, I impossible rider to figure out Almeida, given that, you know, Cortina was such a nasty stage, they shortened it and he did really well for the break there. And then other days he just is asleep. But here is the GC standings. Carapaz going into the third week, seven seconds ahead of Hindley, 30 ahead of Almeida, 59 ahead of Lander. 101 ahead of Pozzavivo, 152 ahead of Bilbao in sixth. Bookman, two minutes back in seventh. Nibali, just knocking at the door, 258. I think Nibali, I'm drawing a line under Nibali. Juan Pei, I love El Patron. He gave Chicona his blessing to get in the break. He said, go, my son, go fourth. I'm drawing a line under Nibali. He's the last serious GC contender, and Juan Pei is just hoping for a top 10. Because you say, oh, three minutes come off it. Like, that's a huge gap. May I remind you, if I go back to the first rest day, no, second rest day, rather, of the 2016 Giro, Nibali was on 2.50. Two minutes 50 behind Kreuzweig. Chavez on 2.12. But it did require a rider to literally ride into an iceberg to make it happen. Yeah, (laughs) true. But that's the thing. But we're about to have, Benji, potentially big technical wet descents. Like... I'm not wishing anything on anyone, but there is big mountains, tricky descents, potentially bad weather. They've just had really hot conditions, and now it's going to go completely opposite. Lander said yesterday, my Giro starts on Tuesday, and he's kind of right. A minute's nothing. If someone has a bad day, and this is the beauty of Carapaz, he doesn't really have bad days, but if someone has a bad day, that minute can evaporate very, very quickly. But here's the profiles. Stage 16 tomorrow's stage it's a shame it wasn't the stage on the sunday finishing in africa it's 201 kilometers long i think it has over 5,000 meters of climbing 19k six percent descent mortarolo the quote-unquote easy side 12.8k seven percent descent then a short 5k 8.7 percent climb that could be a launch pad we saw climbs are shorter than that in the stage on Saturday where it bore lit it up. Descent, then the Santa Cristina climb, 12.7 case, 8.1%, then a short 5K descent. Now, this isn't a pure mountaintop finish. I don't think it matters. Santa Cristina starts 6.5K, 10.2%. This is, there should be huge GC action on that stage, Benji. I think so as well. Santa Cristina is a real climb where damage will happen in GC. And next to that, I'm also fearful for any descent in the third week. We've noticed in, I think in recent years, I feel like I've noticed more and more that gaps in the peloton start opening up on some of the descents. Like, was it Sega the Ala last year where the climb before there was a descent where there were gaps opening up in the peloton as well? And I feel like that's happening more and more in cycling. And therefore, I'm also looking at the descents of all these climbs 
Mortirolo descent probably a bit too early out there to say to really have that happen so you're right that Telio climb that small one before we get to Santa Cristina could be a launching pad that descent could be created uh to well used to create chaos I don't know stuff like that it might not even need to be like the the craziest descent to happen uh to have that happen because it depends on weather as well in that situation and I'm just a bit meh about the position of the Mortirolo in this stage to the fate to the fact that it's kind of in the middle of the stage and the valley before the next climb after it is a bit much. So I would have loved to see Mortirolo and then a smaller climb at the end because that would bring so much action on the Mortirolo climb. Yeah, and you remember Lander was good on Mortirolo in the past, or this is now seven years ago. But as Benji said, like, remember, Damiano Caruso attacked for his stage when following a DSM descent attack with Bardet last year on the Vallespluga Alpemoto stage before the final climb and it wasn't even that long a descent and they put Bernal under a lot of pressure they had to wait for Martinez after the uh, Splugen Pass descent things like that can really play a big factor in week three Almeida I think it's not a secret anymore the other teams should be very aware particularly Bilbao and Lander who are very good descenders very good in the wet conditions they have a big advantage and they should try and use that like I really don't think Lander should like, for example, tomorrow's stage, Mortarolo descent. If I was Bahrain, I wouldn't hard pace the Mortarolo. I'd maybe steady pace it, but I would try and make sure that Bilbao is in contact and then launch something maybe even on that last little Telio climb. Uh, but who do you think will take it up tomorrow? I would be I think Ineos is going to play defense. I think so as well. I'd, I'd expect Carapaz to be the rider that has a team that plays it defensively unless he's in a position that he's notably behind to have to launch it from afar. And I think he's not in that position because he's literally in the Malia Rosa. So I think they are going to be rather defensive and it's going to be down to that last climb for Ineos. But there's other teams that indeed can try something earlier. And you're right about Bahrain being the danger for Almeida, I think, because First of all, they're better descenders than him. And also, they're fourth and sixth in GC. They want to have that podium spot. Almeida is the third on that podium. He's the one that they might feel that is the most vulnerable to their strengths, which is that descending. So I do see that happening there. And when it comes to Pozzo Vivo for that top five, by the way, I wanted to ask you a question. Let's say you are Pozzo Vivo. He's gotten fifth in the Giro twice. He's probably in one of his last Giros right now. I don't know how long he's going to stay on in World Tour in the coming years. Would you risk it all? I would play defensively and hope that Almeida has a terrible day and hope that one of the others has a terrible day. I would play defense. He's got an okay TT as well. And I think one of the other top five will probably have a really bad day. I mean, it could be him. I wouldn't. I would just try and follow. And if you can follow whoever's strongest or you follow the guy who's chasing whoever's strongest. So if Hindley attacks, if I was him, I would sit on Carapaz. So no, I would be defensive because he's close. Yeah. And his TT's okay. And Hindley's, I don't know about it. I think just wrapping up tomorrow's stage before we mention the other stages, I think Hindley wins tomorrow's stage. I think Hindley is in ridiculous shape and... Yeah, I think he's going to drop everyone on Santa Cristina. Uh, I think he wins the Giro too. Ooh, spicy. I think I'm going to go for Vincenzo Nibali for this one, and that's a completely biased pick, but there's also that descent on the line, so I'm hoping that that somehow gives him an advantage despite not having seen that crazy descending in a while by Nibali, but 
there's still hope in that sense. I think he can hold on. And uh, yeah, I, I look forward to uh, seeing this stage play out. It looks like a good stage. But if you want to watch the third week of the Giro live and on demand, and even Tour of Norway coming up this week in particular as one to watch with Remco Evenepoel headlining that 2.pro race, GCN Plus is the best place to watch the Giro and pretty much all racing year-round. And with the LRCP discount, for those of you in Australia, UK, Canada, Germany, and USA, it's a ridiculous price, frankly, compared to other sports streaming services if you have a look around. So go to the link in the description if you want to watch this jam-packed final third week of the Giro and other racing year-round. But when it comes to stage 17, then, it's a stage that... oh. It's kind of a stage that could go both ways, I'd say, because if you take away the... Well, let's talk about the stage where it starts uphill, so action can happen. It's like eight kilometers at 6% initially from the start, from the neutral zone, and then a long descent to basically the climb starting again with about roughly 40-ish, 50 kilometers to go. We've got Valico del Vetriolo, which is 11.8k at 7.7%, and then after that, we've got a small valley of like... Five-ish kilometers before we start the Monte Rovero climb, which is eight kilometers at nine point six percent, and then we've got like it's not completely flat, but it's it's like ups and downs, but not really climbs nor real descents to the line for about a good ten kilometers from the top of that climb. So without that final ten kilometers, this reminds me of a parkour that is a bit easier than Segariala last year, but could still be a GC day, but with a breakaway rider winning. But with that valley on top or at least that plateau on top i'd argue that this could just go to the breakaway as well with a, a steady pacing of like any else behind uh, i think there should be gc action but i agree a break will most likely win because it'll form on that early climb and then they should be able to give it eight ten minutes easily so yeah i think stage 17 there will be gaps after stage 16 and people will be having to make up for losses you know, whoever has a bad day on 16, they'll be trying there. Stage 18 is the only reason Cavendish is still here. A sprint stage to Treviso. Demar's pretty much wrapped up Ciclamino. Uh, but hopefully we'll see a good battle. I think Gaviria is still here as well. There's like a 1K, 12% climb in it. But yeah, don't think that'll be a sprint stage. Stage 19, it goes into Slovenia. Tratnik probably would have won this if he was here, if he wasn't on lander <laughs> duties. 180Ks up and down medium mountain. But... The Kolo, Kolovrat climb, 10Ks, 9%. That is filthy with the first 5Ks at over 10%. But it's so far from the finish. It's 50Ks from the finish. I just can't I can't see it on that one either. Big GC action. Final mountain stage is like it looks, it doesn't look that hard but on the RCS profile, but it, they really are at the back end of the third week of the Giro d'Italia, 167Ks. They do 9Ks, 8% Valley, Paso Portadoi, which got pulled out of the Giro last year, I think, 12Ks, 6.6% to 2,200 metres, stepped descent, and then the Paso Fedaya, 13Ks, 8% to 2,000 metres, with the last 6Ks, 10.5%. So that is, you can you can take back two minutes on that stage easily. So then there's a TT afterwards, 17Ks with a, 4k five and a half percent climb in the middle dumo's not here i think yates wins that ahead of mvdp how much time can almeida take on that tt benji i think we can look at a, a 35 40 seconds at least on like 
Hindley, for example, definitely. Karapaz as well, I think 40 seconds roughly. I think that's what I see. But there's also the fact that there's a descent in that time trial. So you might be losing time in that descent, although it's probably not the most technical one as it's also like 5-ish percent the entire way. But I don't know why. I feel like Almeida will gain time on the competitors and it's going to be around 30-40 seconds. So the others will need to take time in the third week just to be sure about their position. But I want to bring it back for a second to stage 20. Like, I've spoken about this before. I, I'm i not 100% a fan of the fact that the Paso Fidaya, the last climb that Marmolada finished, that very steep finish at the end, is on the final climb because I fear that people might be too scared to go early on that stage. So I sincerely hope that there's a rider that is behind that, wants to give it all to try and get something out of this race and wants to blow up this race early because then this could become a really good stage. And it kind of depends on that, I think. I think Simon Yates wins three stages in the third week. I think he wins the TT, stage 20, and one of the other two mountain stages. It's possible <laughs> he wins from the GC group tomorrow. It's possible he wins from the break on stage 17. If he's in the, like, the problem for Yates is he gets in the break on these stages. No one's going to want to work with him. He'd have to bring Yul Jensen and co. Because he is, like, when he's at the level, he's sort of 95%, he can just, destroy anyone in a break particularly on that Fadaya stage so he will be hunting for those stages he's disappointed he's, he was disappointed after his win the other day but if he stacks up another two or three that's a lot of points for bike exchange which they need uh, otherwise this is how i see the third week carapaz team bluffed strength yesterday i'm not sure no i'm not not sure i think bora have the strongest mountain team they are yet to really successfully play Buchmann as a second leader. Almeida has no team. Lander has a very strong Bilbao, but he, I think, will struggle in these high mountains. And Lander has been reluctant to really adopt a two-leader strategy and have Bilbao attack. He has kept him to just basically pace for him. So him being close on GC as of yet has not really been of any use because, yeah. Uh, same with Bora, trauma. they haven't really played it out. Yeah, yeah trauma with uh, Carapaz 2019. Nibali <laughs> will just follow, go for a stage, hope for the best GC possible. So I think it's really Bora who can dictate this race. And I just, it's just, I don't know which one, but they will launch one of these stages with Kelderman. And this Giro will not be over until until the final TT has finished. Because if Bora launched that final mount stage with Kelderman, uh, I don't know. But yeah, who do you think who do you think comes out victorious, Benji? It's almost impossible to predict for me. Yeah, everybody's like close together. Karapas can still win. Hindley can still win. I think that Almeida can definitely still win as well. After the third spot, I start to have some doubts about riders. I have doubts about Landa being able to drop everybody and therefore gaining time on everybody. And if that's the case, then he can't win this race. I have a feeling about Nibali that it might be too difficult to get close enough to win it. I don't think a 2016 situation is so easily replicable, even uh, even in this year. And I think when it comes to Pozzo Vivo, I don't see him winning this race. I see him playing it defensively, working on the consistency, like you mentioned, to make sure he's close there. So I think it's between the top three for the victory here, and I'm going to stick with my initial prediction of Almeida. And I um I fear a lot for the rain and Silfov in week three, but... I, I just got to stick with him, you know? I can't just leave my boy aside. I can't just throw him aside and say, nah, 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 nah. That doesn't work like that. But if I had to choose rationally, I'd have to go with 
Carapaz because I trust his consistency the most. And especially with rainy conditions, El Jaguar the Tulkan could actually do something in this fight week. I think Almeida has a really big bonus with Hindley and Carapaz being tight together. And he needs to hope that that stays for as long as possible because he likes to do his diesel steady pace riding his threshold climb. So say Hindley attacks on Santa Cristina tomorrow at the, at early. Carapaz marks him. Those two are going to neutralize each other. Almeida comes back. There's a descent at the end. Those two don't want to work together. That's really advantageous for Almeida. The problem is he's already 30 seconds back. So, you know, if they take some bonus from him, like the TT is not going to be enough. So he actually will need to take some time at some point if he wants to win this race. Now, his team has been absent. So, but yeah, I don't know. Land, uh, Carapaz, I think Hindley's all right in the cold and wet. Stelvio was in like October. It must have been chilly. I think, I mean... I think Hindley will be all right. Lander's a great wet descender. But yeah, I can't wait to see it. It's definitely much tune in TV. Hope you enjoyed the rest day recap. Let us know down below who do you think will win. Will Simon Yates have six stage wins by the end of this year at Italia? Thanks to Zwift for supporting the podcast. And we'll see you with stage 16 barnstorming action, hopefully tomorrow.